Would you like to autograph this for my kid, Mr. Gordon? Glad to. What's his name? Buzz. Call Buzz and approach. See what they got. It might be smoother higher up. Yeah. Would you do us a favor and leave them alone? They're busy driving the bus. It's just a little turbulence. We'll be through it in a minute. My name's Flash. I know. Look, I'm sorry if I seem rude. I'm just a little scared. Oh, it's kind of nice. I mean, a travel agent who's scared in airplanes. I saw you at the hotel last night. I asked the maitre d' who you were. Ooh, talk to me, please. Get my mind off this. I couldn't believe a girl like you was alone. You're just saying that to get my mind off this. No, I mean it. What were you doing there alone? I was trying to get my head together by myself. You know? I sure do. What's the problem in which we rewatch movies from our youth to determine if a problematic by today's standards? I'm Jimmy. And I'm Tisto. And today we'll be discussing Flash Gordon, which was released in the US on December 5th, 1980, in the UK on December 11th, 1980, in Ireland on December 26th, 1980, and as a DVD premiere in Canada on May 4th, 2010. It was written by Lorenzo Semple Jr. and directed by Mike Hodges. It stars Sam J. Jones, Melody Anderson, Topol, Brian Blessed, uh, <laughs> Omela Muti, Timothy Dalton, and Max von Sydow. It does indeed. A while ago, before I started, a while ago someone asked why I include Ireland in the intro there, and it's because back in the day, UK and Ireland would usually have quite big gaps, and when and America in the UK. But, like, for an island that's right next to us, sometimes that island would get, like, a movie maybe three months after us. So I just thought <laughs> that would be interesting. And today I included Canada because I found out that they didn't get the movie at certain cinemas. They didn't get it until 2010, which is baffling to me. So that's why I included Canada. Um, so what's going to happen is this. Tisto and I have four or three problems this movie has for each, and we're just going to have a little discussion. We've also thought of one positive this movie has. Tisto, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you're, you. You're not Jen. Um, I'm not, not the last time I checked. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not used to talk to Jen for two years on this thing. Uh, Seventy-two movies we've done. This is the seventy-third. Um, so, uh, what is your history with Flash Gordon? When did you first see this? Do you remember? Uh, I probably saw it, I think, back around 1981, maybe, on HBO. I'm pretty sure I did mm-hmm. not see this in the movie theater. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've, uh, it was, it's been quite a while. Yeah, my, my memory's hazy, but I'm pretty sure I've never seen this movie apart from on TV. So I, I watched, like, the edited version on TV. Uh, and I think the first time I watched it would have been maybe around about 1987, maybe 88 during the summer holidays. They've mm-hmm. 
um, they would have put it on, say, say it was on at maybe 10 o'clock in the morning. So obviously it was edited out. Um, or maybe it was in an afternoon or something, I don't know. But it was during the summer holidays where they would put on movies and stuff like that for the kids to watch. And cartoons, which was great. Uh, so I think I was about 11 when I first saw this movie on TV. Um, and then I watched it again another couple of times, I think, maybe on TV. And I've never, I've, I own the DVD. My friend bought me the DVD years ago and I never watched it. <laughs> Sorry, Lee. Um, <laughs> and um, he listens to the show. Uh, and um, and now I have the Blu-ray, and I watched it in Blu-ray, uh, and I'm kind of shocked at some of the the violent parts <laughs> that I never saw when it was on TV. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, just in case anyone, this is anyone's first show, I'm going to start my problem, and then Pistol say has, and then my second Pistol saying blah blah blah, and then you know, then we'll do the positives, and then I usually have notes. If we don't talk about my notes during the conversation, then I'll say my notes at the end. I have notes as well. Yes. So, my first problem, and it is quite a big problem when it comes to Flash Gordon in general, and it is Ming is kind of like a racial stereotype. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, uh, I can see how that would be a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know about the the old yellow peril stuff and all that nonsense that happened, right? Where people yes, very, it, were afraid of Asian people. Yeah, it, it's a Fu Manchu character, mm-hmm. actually. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a white very popular friend. in pulp fiction back in the nineteen thirties mm-hmm. and and that sort of thing. Yeah, well, the original Flash Gordon serials, uh, Ming was played by a white man in yellow face. Uh, and the cartoon Defenders of the Earth, which had Flash Gordon and Lofar, uh, Mandrake Magician, um, and all that, uh, that was a great cartoon. Um, Ming was the main bad guy in that, but he was green in that, because, you know, alien. Right. So I think that that is more sort of, uh, I think that's better suited for that kind of character. I, I will defend the film in that I don't think that Vansido is actually made up in Yellowface. He's just, he looks like the old Ming, but he doesn't actually, is, he's not intentionally made to look Asian, whereas the old Ming mm. was meant to look Asian. But I think, I he, think he's, I, sorry. It's, he's an alien, you know, he's an alien. Yeah, but I think his eyes are kind of made out to be kind of Asian and he's, he's, he's eyebrows, but I do think that they are avoiding it more in this movie than they did in the original. Right. But my yes. my problem is Ming in general is being a racial stereotype rather than just in this movie. When this movie was released in the UK, the BBFC, which, as Tisto knows, is our censors in the UK. Um, I've spoken about it before in many um, commentaries that I've done with Tisto. Um, they actually issued a warning stating that the movie includes discriminatory stereotypes. <laughs> And it's re-release, so, you know, some people have kind of, some people think it's, it is. But I'm with you. I, I'm just, I'm just using Ming, like the actual original character of Ming as a right. problem. Um, he could have avoided the problem entirely, of course, if, uh, Von Sido had played the character with a Swedish accent. Yeah. Or just spoke the entire part in Swedish. 
that would have been that would have been hilarious, amazing. That would have been great. Yeah, um, I'm not going to do a Swedish impression because it would just sound like the Swedish chef, and that's not quite as fun. I'm uh, told. I'm told that the Swedish chef actually has a Norwegian accent. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Swedish chef sounds better, I think, um, than Norwegian <laughs> chef. It's easier to say. Right. Uh, for some people, I imagine. Uh, right. So what is your first problem, Testo? Uh, my first problem is how long has this been going on? Uh, mm. Because Zarkov has built a rocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been studying this and he's been in the newspaper. He's, he's gotten fired from his job for saying that this is an attack. So mm-hmm. apparently this has been going on for a while, even though we see at the beginning, like we hear Ming being introduced to earth. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but later on we hear Ming say that every thousand years he like tests all of the life forms in the universe or whatever. So he's thousands of years old. So that, that part of the very beginning might have been five years ago and he's been, you know, messing around with yeah. for five years or something. So it's it, that, that t- the timeline at the beginning is quite wonky. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I agree with you. There's no clear time scale in that. It, it, it could be a year. It could be five years. Even if it just gave Zarkov just like a little like, Oh, um, I've been doing this for, or I built my, my shuttle like five years ago or something, you know? Um, at least yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, he says a couple of times, uh, you know, it, it, it's he's justified after years of being ignored or something like that. Yeah, and then he he, he also says that he built his rocket for to um, uh, to make friends or something like that. But it's not clear if he built the rocket before Ming started his attacks mm-hmm. or at the very beginning of it or or what. So yeah, that 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 part has always been confusing to me. Yeah, and also Ming doesn't really seem to be the kind of person who would have much. Patience. Right. <laughs> he, he seems to get very bored very quickly, as portrayed by the marvelous Macron Sedow. But apparently, he's been doing this for years, and he's just like destroying Earth. Um, like every few days, he'll press a button and then laugh heartily. Uh, so yeah, it, it doesn't seem right. I, I was going to choose as my first one, uh, hot hail. Yeah. Uh, what is hot hail? Yeah. But he's got that I, button. I, right. <laughs> Uh, but that's what he pushes to throw at Earth, and we see hail, and it appears to be hot, and uh, there's some, yeah. like, rocks that uh, Zarkov says are moon rocks that have been blown up from something, and I'm like, okay, okay, hot hail. That's hot hail, I guess. <laughs> right. Okay. If he presses hot hail, what does that actually do? Like, does that <laughs> send out, like, a little drone to destroy parts of the moon to have the moon crash into the... It, what? What happens? Right. What are right, you doing, yeah, Right. <laughs> yeah, he's very far away. He's not in a spaceship right outside Earth's orbit. He's, no, exactly. It's He's doing this from a great distance some, somehow. And so, how yeah, can he that, control the earthquakes on Earth as well from, <laughs> from Mongo? How can he do that? Right. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. This movie does not make sense. So my second problem is, as much as this movie is a campy cult sort of classic, it's kind of boring as fuck sometimes. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Right. See, after Flash comes back from the dead, like all that bit where uh, the princess is escorting them out and they're having their, their you know, chit chat and everything. All that is just boring. That that's just dull. 
to me. And then it picks up again once Timothy Dalton comes back in. <laughs> the the escape to Arborea, and I, to me, the, even the stuff on Arborea is a little flaccid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's moments where I was kind of checking out in this movie. But then, you know, the finale is great. Uh, you've got all the, the Hawkmen flying about, and that's fun. And you've got Brian Blessed being loud, and that's always oh. fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's always loud. Um, National Treasure, <laughs> Brian Blessed. This, he might be at the his loudest in this movie, actually. Mm. He's done a lot of TV in the UK and yeah. um, over the years. And uh, he plays up in it now a lot. It's like, okay, I've been... Since uh, Flash Gordon 40, what is it, 44 years ago, 42 years ago, sorry, I was loud in that movie, so now I'm just going to be loud all the time. That's just, that's, apparently that's my bit now. People must stop, stop him on the street and ask him to say, uh, Gordon's alive. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And, and imagine that when I was watching it and he said, uh, give me the remote, give me the remote control. I imagine that's how he says it at home. You know, <laughs> give me the remote control like that. It's like, yeah, I just imagine that's what he does now. Um, so I don't really know what he did before this movie. I imagine he probably did stage plays and stuff. Yeah. I'm not well versed on Brian Blessed, but I imagine he did stage plays, and that's why he shouts a lot. And then nobody told him that you don't really do that on film. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. <laughs> we have microphones, Brian. You don't have to. It's all right. <laughs> So, what is your second problem? Uh, my second problem is a problem that has bothered me from the very beginning, which is that Clytus's mask mm-hmm. does not look good. No. You can kind of see his face and eyes and teeth. And yeah. he got his eyes kind of blocked, blacked out, but you can still see his his mouth and lips sometimes through it. And it just, it it's kind of weird and pointless. And yeah, it could have been, could have been done better. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I was um, I was watching it today, and I was like, "There's a lot of good." Well, I say good, but there's a lot of interesting character designs in this movie. Just, but but Clytus is the one that's just sort of like it's kind of like um, Frank Langella's Skeletor in the Masters of the Universe movie, <laughs> except you know, yeah, it kind of is like that actually. It just looks it looks like a mask. I know it's supposed to be a mask, but it looks like a mask. I don't know. Is Clytus supposed to be wearing a, like a, a face mask, or is, he, is that supposed to be his face? I don't really know. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be a mask, but we we don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the part where he dies, I was right. In fact, that's my <laughs> that's my third problem. I'm just going to shoot right onto my third problem because I want to talk oh. about Clytus. Sorry, unless you want something else to say about that. But we can. Um, no, we can, we can shoot along to that. Um, I had seen this uncut, like I said, right? So I didn't know about Clytus' death scene. And I was not expecting his eyes and tongue to pour out of his skull. Um, I, I have that in my notes, but it's not. I don't consider that a problem. No, but, but my problem is it's out of place because the rest of the movie is kind of tame. Yes. Right. 
you know, you understand? Except for it's, the torture it, scene, the whipping torture. But that's that's not. But there's not really any real contact. It's not really any real sort of. There's no blood. This is a guy's eyeballs and tongue pouring out of his skull. This though. And then later, when um, when Ming gets stabbed through the chest and he comes off the the spear that's through his chest, um, it's green blood. So that's yeah. that doesn't really affect me. And then it, like I can't remember what it was. There was some other creatures that got shot or something got, and they had blue blood. And it's like right, that doesn't bother me as much. That's I mean, the uh, the 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 prince at the beginning, the black guy. Um, yeah, yeah, he yeah, yeah. The Captain of the boat in um, Raiders of, or yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, that's right. So he did. Yeah, that guy. Um, so that just it just shocked me because I've never seen it before. I was like, "Fucking hell, what's that?" George that's, Harris is Prince Thune. That, that's who it is, right? Because this is rated PG, and it's rated PG in the UK, and it's uncut. And I'm very surprised, but well, not really surprised because Raiders got away with a lot at a PG. But uh, but yeah, that was really just quite shocking to me, and just because yeah, Raiders has got some some pretty yeah. awful stuff at the end, yeah. exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, yeah, it just shocked me, and I just think it's a problem because I just think that the rest of the movie doesn't really have that <laughs> in it. Uh, so I just think that bit was out of place. But well, if we want to talk about things that are out of place, mm-hmm. we can, again, this is not a problem. But that scene where um, Ming uses his ring to manipulate Dale. Yeah, and she gets all all woozy on him, mm-hmm. and then she doesn't know what happened. Like, yeah, that's out of place. Yeah, he he, he has a he has a date rape ring. He does, um, and that is a problem. But uh, but yeah, uh, I was actually going to pick Dale as a problem. Um, but hear me out, <laughs> Melody Anderson herself. No, the the character. Oh, okay, okay. Um, because she faints about five times within the first half hour of this movie and it's really fucking it, that's an exaggeration but she faints a few times and it's like that's that's just a big old stereotype isn't it but well but she, then i do okay she, then she kicks ass <laughs> when she escapes yeah. and she kicks ass i'm like no okay fair enough they're playing up in the stereotype of the women being the being a damsel in distress that's fair enough then she can actually kick ass so that's why she's not one of my problems she is like, yeah, Dale Arden, acrobat, martial artist, travel agent. <laughs> Somehow. Um, but yeah, I don't actually remember the, uh, the, the fainting so much. I remember the, uh, martial arts more. Yeah, she faints twice. I'm okay. pretty sure she faints twice. Yeah. Well, she faints when, um, Flash dies. And then she faints before that. But. Well, that's, th- that's legit. But twice. When Flash died. <laughs> no, no. Oh, don't get me started in their fucking relationship because. Oh no! Wait a minute! Wait! A, wait what? <laughs> That's my good thing. <laughs> really? All right, we'll get to that. Right. Anyway, there is a good bit of like exposition in the conversation between Flash and Dale at the start of the plane. Um, okay. Because he says it's kind of nice a travel agent that scared the planes, and then he says, "Oh, I asked the maitre d' at the hotel who you were," and I like that because that's how you do exposition. That is a conversation between two characters. And they're okay. learning about each other, and also the audience is learning about them as well. So it's not like, as you know, really, because he's just having a conversation. This is how I find out about you. And I yeah. like. Oh that. yeah, and he's, he says, 
he says that um, he starts explaining the the uh, turbulence mm-hmm. because he's been taking flying lessons. Yeah. And I really liked that as a character moment between the two of them. And he's reassur- reassuring her. But also, yeah. you're right. It's good exposition. Yeah, that was it was well written. I thought that. But there is some good stuff and like good gags in that in this movie. There's some funny things in this movie. I was quite surprised. Uh, I love the bit towards the end where it's the uh, the wedding between Ming and uh, Dale, and there's like aircraft. An aircraft flies by, and it's got the banner at the back. At the, the back, and it says, <laughs> "All creatures make merry." And it's like, okay, that's fine, that's good. But then the second one comes along and says, under pain of death. <laughs> and I'm like, that is legit funny. That is funny. Um, so, have you said your third problem? I have not said my third problem. Right. I do this all the my- time. So, what's your third problem? <laughs> my third problem is that scene where Zarkov is being um, uh, like drained of his memory or whatever. We mm-hmm. see... Uh, we see bits and pieces of Zarkov's, Zarkov's wife, Hilda mm-hmm. being thrown in a swimming pool at a, mm-hmm. some sort of party. And then she drowns. <laughs> <laughs> like, what in the hell happened there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. How did that happen? It's like, did everyone just stand about and just watch her drown and not do anything? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Bizarre. It is very strange. And also, I don't believe for a minute that while he was watching that and marveling, like visibly marveling, mm. uh, that he was also thinking of Shakespeare and the Beatles, which he claims later. But okay, yeah. well, whatever. Yeah, that's like, she, she she's tossed into the water, and like everyone's laughing, and then all of a sudden there's like a corner, and he's like putting a thing <laughs> over her face, and he's like, what? What? What happened? <laughs> what? Did they think she was just pretending to drown? I don't know. It was very strange. But then also they brought in like World War II and all that. And, you know. Well, he's memories. Jewish and they had to yeah, escape yeah. Uh, Hitler and everything. And it gives that that nice joke about when Clytus says, now he showed promise. Yeah. I forgot to do a short synopsis of this movie at the beginning of the podcast because we just started doing that recently. And I forgot to do it. But we'll do it for next time. Because everybody well, watching. Flash Gordon, yeah, gets Flash Gordon and Dale get, get captured by Ming from Mongo, and they have to save Earth. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, save Earth from Ming. Um, yeah, absolutely. But one of our listeners actually um, messaged us and said, "Do you think you can maybe start doing little short synopses at the beginning of the podcast? Because sometimes you cover movies that maybe other maybe people haven't seen." And it's like, yeah, right, it's good so we started doing that, and then my first show without Jen, and I forget to do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, my positive. Now, I'm not allowed to say the soundtrack um, in every single episode because I tend to use the soundtrack as my go-to uh, because my sound, the soundtrack are studs. Um, so I'm just going to say Queen <laughs> as my positive. <laughs> It because is incomparable, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love Queen. And the music in this this movie is strange strange sometimes, but it's still really good. Um and uh so yeah, I'm not saying the soundtrack, but I'm saying the <laughs> I'm saying the band who did the soundtrack, and that's Queen. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not allowed to say anything to do with the soundtrack for 
I don't know, the next few episodes or something. So Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. It, it it is a highlight of the film to be sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's a, a guy who gets credited for doing the um uh the actual score, like after Queen get the credit, but it's like no Queen did the majority of it. I don't know what he did. I imagine he was just sort of they hired an actual composer to maybe conduct and you know sort everything out, uh, maybe cover bits that weren't that Queen didn't do or whatever you know. Or yeah, Howard Blake. He may have done. He may have actually done the score for like the for the wedding march. He may have scored that for. Oh, I don't know, but did, did, would he need? No, that was to do that, that was uh, that was Queen who did. Queen but they certainly did, played uh, it. But yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, he may have scored it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, cause and on the album, it's all Queen and I, I, oh, there yeah, might yeah. be, yeah, there might be stuff in the album that isn't, there might be stuff in the movie that isn't in the album because that's, that's other guy's stuff, but I don't know. Oh, Wikipedia says that additional orchestral pieces mm-hmm. were, uh, composed by Howard Blake. Yeah. I imagine that's because Queen didn't really have any experience, um, composing music for a movie. Back in 1980, so they got a professional to, to actually do. I, I imagine he just filled in. He filled in some bits that they didn't do, or maybe he replaced some bits. Maybe they did do bits, and um, the director was like, "Well, maybe that's not suitable for that." So then, you know. Uh, but when it's Queen, it's Queen. You can tell. <laughs> <laughs> you can absolutely tell. Like, okay, let's talk about your positive. <laughs> My positive is uh, that I really like. The fact that this movie just goes all in and says that Dale and F- Flash um, are attracted to one another right from the beginning, and um, and there's kind of very little question uh, about them. So often for the last fifty years, everything has to be 1930s screwball comedy bickering. Mm-hmm. So that was fun in those comedies, but because it was kind of contrasted with romance movies. And, and melodramas, and we don't have those anymore. Everything is a romantic comedy, mm-hmm. and uh, there's always bickering. There, there's always that, you know, bit where they meet cute, and then they have a bickering, and then they fall for each other, and then they uh, discover they have a problem, and then they, they uh, uh, you know, tr- break up, but they, then they decide that to screw the problem, let's just be together, and, and that sort of thing. And in this movie, um, you know, they're attracted to each other right from the beginning, and then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she's like, Oh, you know, holding his hand while they're in the rocket and stuff like that. And, uh, uh, it progresses quickly from there. And I, and my, my favorite line in the film is flash. I love you. But we only have 14 hours to save the earth. It's yeah. great. No, this is, um, yeah. Okay. This goes back to when I was going to have Dale as one of my problems. Cause there's a bit where they're walking down to see. Ming and uh, Flash is looking at the princess and he smiles at this attractive princess lady and Dale says hi do you remember me and it's like well barely I imagine he's only known you for an hour but you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> I suppose um, so that that was when Dale was going to be in my I do agree with you that it is it, it's better it's like yeah they, they, they want to bang each other hardcore it's like love at first sight <laughs> You know, and you don't get that much these days. So yeah, that that moment, I agree. Yeah, he's looking at the the beautiful, scantily clad women, and mm-hmm. 
uh, she, yeah, grabs him and pulls him close in a jealous moment. But yeah, um, yeah she needs him beyond whether or not they're falling for each other. She really, she really needs him to be on her side so that they can get out of this. Yeah. 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 I, I agree though that it's a little bit premature. It is. I mean, I do understand what you mean, but again, my problem of it was going to be linked to the fact that Dale was going to be one of my problems, but now she's no longer one of my problems because she escaped and kicked ass. Um, <laughs> Which you know was fantastic. I don't see that as a problem much anymore. But I, but just that little jealous bit, just thought I was like, <laughs> okay. So if you want to drop Dale as a problem, I can. I'm willing to drop Dale that as a advantage, and I'll go. I'll use a different advantage. <laughs> no, 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 no. Is, I didn't. I didn't use. I didn't use Dale as a problem. Though. She was well, quick. Like but I, I like I say, you me. you dropped it as you dropped her as a problem. So I'll, I, I'm willing to dro- drop her as a as a the the best thing or whatever and, and say that that there's a there's a different positive um that I also want to talk about which is okay. that the story is all about teamwork it's mm-hmm. not flash gordon saving the world it's flash gordon getting the other princes to to team up yeah and save the world he has yeah. to explain what teamwork even is mm-hmm. to them and that i think is a is a great thing so often in adventure type movies, um, the hero is the only guy and he's doing everything all himself. And, and yet this film says, no, 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 the, the, you know, the, the thing that you have to do is get everybody to work together. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah. This, this movie may actually be genius. I think it is a terrific, terrific. I've seen it like 14 times now. <laughs> I watched it like three weeks ago or something. And you said, no, you have to watch it again. And I'm like, really? I watch it again. <laughs> Yeah, and I watched it again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's it is good. It is good that it's teamwork and it's not just. I mean, the movie plays up that it's all Flash because you know his, he has his own theme tune and stuff, and it's like you know he'll save every <laughs> one of us and all that. Um, That's a good point. He's got yeah. his own theme song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he's got his own T-shirts. He wears his own name. Exactly. On his own t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but. The movie isn't really about that. It's not about him being the savior of the universe. It's about him rallying around savior, saviors of the universe and getting <laughs> other people to do it as well. Um, so yeah, no, that's, right. that's, it's harder. It's hard. It's harder to work uh, into the lyric of a rock song. Yeah. Uh, yeah. flash, um, organizer of the universe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Co- co- cooperator. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Instead of, um, He'll save every one of us. It's he'll organize it correctly, and uh, we'll all be fine. So yes, we can't exactly have that. He'll um, help us help ourselves. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I love too that moment where he he's explicitly offered um, to rule the earth on behalf of Ming, mm-hmm. and uh, and he turns it down like there's just no way. I I love that moment. Mm-hmm. Because because Flash is kind of baffled by it. Like I can't I can't even believe you're offering me this. Like it's just so crazy. Yeah, but but to Ming, it's just like it's just like a normal Saturday afternoon. You know, it's just he's just um, yeah. I'll offer someone. This person is besting me. So let's see if I can maybe sweeten the deal. Uh, because I have actually tried to kill him once before and it didn't work. So <laughs> it didn't it, it didn't take. So let's just sort of offer him something else. 
Um, but then Flash is just like, what? No, I don't want that, yeah. Fucking idiot. It feels genuinely alien. That, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the Ming and the others, they don't, they don't even understand this, this concept of, of loyalty and, and that sort of thing, not being out for yourself. Um, and yeah, I thought that was wonderful. Yeah, no, absolutely. As, as good that, um, that Flash as, uh, he'll save every one of us by, uh, teamwork. Maybe not every one of us because there are hot hail and earthquakes. <laughs> yeah. He'll save every one of us after all of that bad shit's happened and yeah. he's learned of the situation. But yeah. So I have I have notes. Um and I want to say that the very first thing I noticed in this movie that Robbie Coltrane is in it. Hagrid uh, in the Harry Potter movies. Oh uh, really? Is yeah. he one of the Hawkmen? No, he's he's right at the very beginning. He's the guy who closes the plane door at the start. Um, oh. That's that's all he does. He's in it for mere seconds. <laughs> Oh man, at airfield, yeah, 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 yeah. Tropical train that was shot in um on uh, Sky, which is a Scottish island, uh, up the north of Scotland, uh, because they had just like a big, this big, massive airfield. Um, it's the only part they filmed in Scotland was that hmm. uh, open scene, but the rest was shot in England, I think. Shot at Shepherd Studios, I imagine. I like some of the effects in the movie. I think a lot of the effects are quite good for 1980. They're they're kind of deliberately old fashioned. Um, yeah, th- to harken back to the serials of the 1930s, I suspect. But I don't um, imagine so they're deliberately could... not as good as Star Wars, but also cheaper than Star Wars. Yeah, but I don't really think you could do a lot of Hawkmen flying in the air any other way than what was done. To be fair, back in 1980. Even today, flying is not that great. Yeah, exactly. It has to be done with CG. And I mean, then it looks CG. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could do it like they, they did it with Superman the movie, um, but that was only one man. Right. Right. They had this movie had to do it with loads and loads of people. Um, but at the beginning, with the ship is like hurtling through space, the rocket with Flash and that in it. There's some nice sort of like sort of whirlpool effects in the sky and. They, mm, yes, they did that with it's just basically just pouring ink into water, um, and I just thought that looked lovely. That was really good specs. Yep. Um, I another note is I liked Flash's tombstone because it says <laughs> Flash too. Gordon, Flash Gordon, Earthling executed by Ming. I want a black T-shirt with that on it. Yeah, it's great looking. Yeah, that is a <laughs> that is a great tombstone, and it's also got like Flash Gordon like. The logo, like the way you would have on the front cover of my Blu-ray, it says Rush right. Gordon in yep. that font. Yeah, I thought that was amazing. We were talking about Zarkov's uh, brainwashing. Yeah, brainwashing, and he has my favorite line. I think in the whole movie, apart from everything Brian Blessed says, um, I think my favorite line is "My mind is all I have. I spent my whole life trying to fill it." Okay, yeah, I think that's a great line. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's we. We do. Zarkov has some great lines. Topol is the uh, the actor. Yeah, 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 yeah. He has some. He has some good stuff. He's got the. He's got the philosophical stuff. The movie Fiddler on the Roof. Topol was better known for. I think. Um, he sings the song yep. "If I Were a Rich Man." That one. He's in "For Your Eyes Only." Right after Flash Gordon, actually. Yeah, that's true. And my last note is: there's a lot of grunting in this movie. I was watching this in my room, and mom, and twice my mom walked past my my door and asked what was going on, because <laughs> when Zarkov's memory of his mum, she's given birth, 
and she's yes, right. But it, it doesn't sound like she's giving birth. It sounds like she's doing something else. Um, <laughs> and then later, when the the young tree man um, is getting initiated, there's like these group of tree men just grunting, and it's like, okay, what are you doing? That's a very weird sort of noise. Uh, and the guy who played the young tree man, yes, he's of note for British viewers, Peter Duncan. And he started off as an actor, and he, but he did small stuff like this. But then he made his name in the UK by being a TV presenter on children's TV. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Blue Peter. It's like yeah, a... Blue Peter, sure. Yeah, yeah. He joined that in 1980, just like after this. And he was in it for... He was in it for a while. I actually remember Peter Duncan. 80 to 84, and then he left and then came back for another year, 85 to 86. And then after that, the one I really know him for is a show called Duncan Dares. And when he was on Blue Peter, he would like do a lot of like uh, stunts. Like one of them, he was on a rope swing cleaning the, the, the face of the clock tower, um, the Elizabeth Tower that Big Ben is in, um, without a safety harness. Wow. So he got his own show, Duncan Dares, where he would be given, you know, these stunts and tasks to do, and he would do them. <laughs> he would just jump in and do them. And I remember Duncan Dares. Uh, so, yeah, that's all my notes, Crystal. That's everything I have written. Um, I have, I guess, two more notes okay. myself. Mm-hmm. One is um, that the Hawkmen, even though they can fly, they have a rocket cycle. Yeah, what's that all about? Well, my here I got a theory. Yeah, my, my cool. head cannon cool. is that that is actually a mobility scooter for elderly hawkmen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lex saves the earth by invading uh, Mingo City on a mobility scooter. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, that is now my head cannon too. Thanks, Tesla. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. That's what he did. That is fantastic. What's your other note? And then my last note is Dino De Laurentiis uh, produced this, and I think he had a say in the costuming because I think the costuming is fantastic. Italian 1970s uh, styles, lots of leg in yeah. the ladies' uh, costumes, and um, the men's costumes are are beautifully tailored. I love the tree men's, uh, like Baron's uh, outfit has this weird like basket weave of mm-hmm. fabrics and the the tree tree man elder has a similar basket weave i just it's just a great looking look um i just love all of the the costuming i think it's actually quite a good look movie i mean it's 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 a comic strip you know it's right yes make, very like, much so and i think that it actually succeeds in doing that whereas a lot of movies based on comic strips tend to miss the mark i think this movie actually nails it yep Anyway, that is uh, that is our show. That's all we have time for. Uh, Tisto will be back next week, and um, it's his pick for next week. Um, and what movie are we doing next time, Tisto? We're doing Cannonball Run. Right, from 1981, <laughs> just a year after this, I think, isn't it? Ah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, we were going to do something else, but I can't get hold of it, so Tisto had to pick this. So. <laughs> this one day, fun. though. Still, one day we'll revisit that one. We definitely will, absolutely, yeah. Because we almost had a Dino De Laurentiis uh, twofer, didn't we? Oh, yeah, actually, that's true. Yeah. He did. He produced that one, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. Right. Anyway, Cannibal Run is next, and I'm looking forward to watching that again because I haven't seen that in a couple of decades. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Drop Pilot Pod. Although I also have my own 
Twitter again um, at ShiftyB. Uh, ShiftyBench.co.uk is the website. Contact ShiftyBench.co.uk is the email address where you can send us feedback. Where can people follow you online, Tisto? They can find me at Tisto.com, T-Y-S-T-O.com, and as uh, Tisto Zarban on Twitter. Excellent. So thank you all for listening, and we'll speak to you all next time. Bye. Thanks. Bye.